Wow, I'm really excited today to be joined by Nick Loper, who's the man behind Side Hustle Nation. Nick is nothing if not tenacious. Armed with a microphone and an experimenter's mindset, he has grown his community to 75,000 email subscribers and an active 46,000 member Facebook group. We have a ton to learn from Nick about his marketing journey today. He'll talk to us about how he employed all kinds of content marketing tactics over many years, and he'll also share with us the inflection points he discovered along the way. Enjoy this episode. Welcome to Marketing Made Easy by Jotful. I'm Don Verbrigge, Jotful CEO, two-time entrepreneur, former business school professor, and your host. I'm here to have practical and fun conversations with people who know a thing or two or three about how to get more customers for your business. Thanks for being here, Nick. I am super, super excited about this because of all the guests we have, I think that you have managed to build the largest community of everybody. Can you talk a little bit about your background and about this community that you built? How big is it now, for example? Um, we've got over 80,000 on the email list at Side Hustle Nation and closing wow. on 50,000 members in the Side Hustle Nation Facebook group. Amazing. And so what is Side Hustle Nation? Give us an overview. This is the uh, the web's leading resource on uh, part-time <laughs> business ideas and uh, creative ways to make extra money. Started uh, kind of as a side project of uh, of its own to the original business that I was running. Right. It kind of took on, um, you know, started to see some positive traction slowly at first, but then gaining some speed and gaining some momentum. And it's become the, uh, the full-time focus for me for the last several years. So... I, I love one of the things I love about your story is that it was not overnight success. And far too often as business owners, we 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 hear these stories that makes it sound like somebody came out of nowhere overnight. But you have actually built side hustle nation largely on the side, especially at the beginning, over the course of eight years now, right? Yeah, it's, it makes me feel like I was well, you know, one of these original <laughs> podcasters. But yeah, I started the show in 2013, transitioned from a personal blog that I had been writing. Mm-hmm. Um, that no one ever read. Um, also in 2013 to, you know, because you start paying attention, well, you know, what types of blogs and websites end up getting traction? Well, it's the ones that focus on a specific niche. And so my previous blog didn't have any of that. It was mm. rants about current events and pictures from our vacations and, you know, a little bit of business and marketing stuff. Cause that's what I was doing at the time, but there was no consistent or coherent message, no reason really for people to keep coming back and reading more. And so I thought, okay, I'm going to try and become the side hustle guy. I'm going to own this niche. And it took a while, but uh, it felt like I, uh, over time, have established myself in a a foothold in that uh, arena. So in the beginning, when you were first running all these posts about side hustling, nobody was reading your content, right? It, I And I feel this way. I felt this way certainly when I started Jotful. I was writing a post every single week. I was sending it out through our email newsletter. We had maybe a dozen subscribers to the newsletter and half of them were related to me. And I know that yeah. feeling of it's, it's, you're just knocking down trees in the forest and absolutely nobody is hearing the tree fall. Is that what it was like in the beginning? And how did you keep going and persist through that phase? It was, and it took me just an embarrassingly long amount of time to begin writing with some sort of discoverability intention. Like, mm-hmm. okay, you can send it out to your existing email subscribers. And yeah, I'd like, like you started with an email list of 11, like entirely friends and family. 
Um, but then it's like, okay, well, how is, how is this going to bring new people into the fold and becoming more uh, conscious and aware and intentional about that in the last few years has accelerated the SEO traffic growth. But then the other piece of the pie was the audio content because I, you know, I had my blog, you know, I thought of myself as a writer first and foremost, and the podcast was almost an afterthought, but it ended up in that first year, the show grew three times faster than the written side of the uh, business oh, did. Fascinating. And that was, that was really eye opening to me. And I would start to show up at conferences and people would be like, oh yeah, you're the side hustle show guy. It's like, nobody <laughs> read, read the site. And it's like, oh, maybe I should double down on this audio thing. That seems mm-hmm. to be um, where more people are uh, discovering this content. And I think it's a higher value relationship in a lot of ways. If somebody spends yeah. you know, 30, 40, 50 minutes with you in their earbuds and they do that week after week, they feel like they know you. And I think that's a really yeah. cool place to be versus even today, somebody, even if they do find you on Google, that's a miracle in its own right in in certain aspect and then they spend three minutes like skimming your post and you know maybe they click on to the next thing maybe not um and i know you're, you're going to cover podcasting in depth uh, next week so yeah we don't need to beat that down so from a content strategy perspective it sounds like you weren't really doing much differently from your blog post and your podcast in terms of the actual content that you were covering but it was the platform itself that made you much more discoverable for podcasting than you were for the blog. Do you think that that's because podcasting was just a newer uh, medium at the time and you had less competition than, for example, getting found through search with your blog? Yeah. I mean, for a new site, it's really difficult to kind of crack the mm-hmm. um, the Google code until you really establish an authority in that space. And so mm-hmm. not that new website owners or new bloggers should ignore that. I think mm-hmm. you should probably start creating that content to send those signals to Google that this is what my site's about. This is you know what I'm an authority in. And if you can send those signals over time, yeah, you're going to start to rank and you got to pick like longer tail keywords to go after um, in the early days than mm-hmm. you know battling over you know best life insurance rates or some like crazy competitive keyword. Um, it was funny because I was at this rec softball game and um, a teammate of mine is like, Hey man, I, I found your blog. And I was like, really, really like, Oh, what, what did I write about? You know? Um, and he's like, Oh yeah, I was Googling like, how does restaurant.com work? Which was one of my pre side hustle nation, very early posts. Uh-huh. It was one of these, you know, something that I really enjoyed and still do enjoy kind of deconstructing these you creative business ideas. Where does the money come from? How does this thing work? And even after that moment, and I think that still ranks on the first page of Google, it, it, it took me years and years to recognize like, oh, if you answer people's questions in the in the content of your post and you do that better than anybody else who's already out there, then that is likely to rise to the top and that's likely to rank and start to get you some traffic. Yeah. Well, what I think is really interesting about what you're talking about, Nick, is there are really two kinds of personal discoveries that you made. One was more technical. What can I do in my content to make it more attractive to people who are using search engines, whether that search engine is Google or it is a, is a podcast platform, right? But what can I do in my content to make it more attractive, which includes baking in keywords, answering people's actual questions, that kind of thing. And that's kind of the technical thing that you can learn by reading books and you know watching YouTube videos and just learning from others. But the other piece that was really critical to your business 
was learning about what to focus on and what needs you should tackle. And ultimately, you know, you, you started with all, all of this stuff, right? Producing family content, your sort of side interest in marketing and so forth. And then you eventually discovered side hustles is the place to double down. And I think oftentimes, you know, we can look back and we can say, oh, I would have done this thing differently if I had known better. And I don't mind if, you know, those mistakes are learning mistakes. I just needed to, you know, dig more into the technical stuff. But I really release myself from blame when it's something like finding a niche or like just sort of really starting to understand how you kind of fit in the larger scheme of the world. I, I, I might be getting a little bit philosophical, but um, there are kinds of learning that you can accelerate and a kind of learning you cannot accelerate. Yeah, I think there's some truth to that because all of those posts that I wrote were still valuable for me from the practice of yes. uh, developing a writing habit to learning how WordPress works to just you know putting putting myself out there. I think that mm-hmm. was, you know, like finding a way to put down thoughts. It, it was like a form of journaling in a way and, mm-hmm. you know, coming up with, okay, what's going to resonate, what's not. And I don't know, even though it wasn't you know, a commercial success, it, mm-hmm. it, it kind of laid the foundation in a lot of ways. Yeah. We'll hear more from our guest right after this brief break. If you're listening to this podcast, you're probably a business owner. And if you're a business owner in need of a new website, but you really don't want to build it yourself, check out Jotful. Jotful will build you a professional website that both looks great and includes all the marketing best practices. So we'll actually get the job done for your business. And it's affordable. In fact, it's only about 10% of what you typically expect to pay an agency or designer. Even better, you can give it a try today for free. At Jotful, we'll make you a free sample website so you can see if it's a good fit for your business before you ever even sign up. Visit us at Jotful.com to request a free sample website for your business. That's J-O-T-T-F-U-L.com. And now, back to the show. It was was a lot of the learning and a lot of the education that laid the foundation for your eventual success. Yes. Okay. So talk to us a little bit about the community you've built. What platforms is it on today? It's primarily on Facebook as far as the, um, you know, many to many interaction. And that was the inspiration for, for uh, creating it. Cause it's like, you know, blogging, podcasting, even YouTube to a certain extent. Yeah. There's, you know, there's comments available, but it's very much a broadcast platform where it's one to many. Um, What was cool about the Facebook group um, was that it became, you know, many to many, all of a sudden listeners and readers could interact with each other without my direct involvement. In a lot of cases, Mm -hmm. I, you know, the brand and me were at the center of that hub, which was a cool place to be. and, And, you know, another touch point, but it was, um, you know, now all of, all of a sudden people who had, who had this interest in common could come and hang out. And I was, I was like really nervous to start this. Cause like, you know, does the world really need another, you know, entrepreneur Facebook group? I, you know, it was, it seemed like a crowded space. Um, but I put it out in a survey to the email subscribers and, and they said, yeah, that, that'd be cool. We'd come hang out. And now Facebook, because I don't know, if it's you know keyword driven or algorithmically driven, Facebook starts to recommend that group to lots of people, either based on their interests or based on other groups that they're in. And so it has become a 
you know, kind of top of the funnel discovery platform in its own. And I think Facebook is a top five search engine in its own right. Mm-hmm. And so people search side hustle, people search whatever keyword that uh, that your business focuses on. It's another avenue for people to find you. And when did you launch the Facebook group? Um, early 2015. So, so you were probably... still early. Yes. So I, I, I think one thing that's kind of interesting is that part of the key to your success has been to test out new platforms where they were still relatively early, whether it's a podcasting platform or Facebook, it allows you to really get a toehold so you can start to show up in those algorithm search results over time. And other people are way better at this than me. Like I don't do uh-huh. a ton on Instagram. I have, you know, I just, you know, started posting a couple, you know, uh, toe dips into the TikTok world. Uh-huh. It's like the short form content, even Twitter to a certain extent. It's just, uh, you know, my my wheelhouse is a 45 minute podcast episode or a 3000 word blog post. It's like yeah. being, you know, witty and clever and educational in a, in a 30 second burst is uh, is a big challenge. Yeah. So you focus on the Facebook group, you've got the blog, you have the newsletter and you have the podcast. I assume you're repurposing content across all of them. So maybe what you do in the podcast is the topic that you're going to cover on your blog post and in your newsletter. Are you repurposing content a lot? Yeah, we've kind of gone through a few different iterations on strategy there. Today, Mm -hmm. the primary uh, new content that's getting produced is the podcast. That's something that... um, it's, it's, you know, there's always another Thursday coming around. So that yeah. one is kind of set in stone. That's when it's happening. Um, we early on, or kind of like in the middling years, we hid a lot of that content behind an email opt-in said, Hey, you're out uh, walking the dog. You're at the gym. You're driving in the car. You're not in a great place to take notes. Don't worry. We did it for you. You can go to sidehustlenation.com slash whatever, and you can download. We call it like the highlight reel from the episode, you know, with all uh-huh. of the guest top tips. And that worked really, really well. You know, that grew the email list from around a thousand people when I started doing that to three months within, uh, to 3000 within three months to wow 6,000 within six months. Wow. It was this big, this was big inflection point, but the, mm-hmm. um, what we shifted to lately is for the sake of discoverability and for the sake of user experience, just publishing those highlight reels or those episode summaries, just as text, as a blog post on the site. So people can consume audio if they prefer, or they can consume the written version if they prefer. Mm-hmm. Awesome. You, When we were talking before, you mentioned that you experienced a few inflection points along the way. Can you talk a little bit about those inflection points? Uh, well, starting to treat the podcast as uh, content marketing rather than a business in itself was definitely one. And so trying mm. to generate you're trying to turn an anonymous podcast listener. It's hard to give away a free podcast and the analytics are awful. So it's uh, trying to to, uh, turn that anonymous listener into a subscriber where all of a sudden you can uh, email them about the next episode instead of just trusting that, you know, they'll find it somehow on their own or they have subscribed in the app. Nick, maybe we should back up here a little bit then and say, what was, what is the business model for Side Hustle Nation? Where do you make money? Yeah, you bet. So three legs of the revenue uh, stool, so to speak, sponsorships on the podcast, which mm-hmm. took probably about three years before that started to come in consistently. So it just, it was it was a long, slow climb. Yeah. Um, affiliate revenue through the blog and email list. Mm-hmm. And then the third leg of the stool has historically been my own side hustle experiments. And that was the you know, the shoe business. So that was, you know, my original, uh, original side hustle. There was another uh, directory and review platform that I built for 
outsourcing companies, virtual assistant companies that I sold uh, in late 2020. That was that was part of that, but it was my experiments with self-publishing and freelancing and uh-huh. selling stuff on eBay and Amazon. And that was the original uh, hypothesis for the site. Like, I'll be the guinea pig. I had plans to go <laughs> sign up to be a Lyft driver and okay, I'll report back on you know what works, what doesn't. And that's shifted a little bit in more recent years to you know playing journalist and like, oh, I'll I'll point the mic at somebody else who signed right. up to be a um, you know a mobile notary person and ask them, well, how'd you get started? How do you get business for that? Uh, how much did it cost? All that stuff. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. So first inflection point was really around taking the podcast, just no longer assuming that the podcast is going to be a revenue generator and turning it into content marketing. What's next? I mean, second thing is kind of, you know, like we talked about this accidental discovery of, you know, how Google works or how SEO works Uh in a way. Um, And combining that with the realization that the blog reader or somebody who lands on your website uh, isn't necessarily the same person who's tuning into the podcast, realizing you're kind Mm. of serving two different audiences, which I um, never really, I, I didn't. I, I don't know that that kind of challenged an assumption that I had is like you know people people want to read all of the stuff that I put out they want to consume right. everything it's like okay no but the analytics will show you a different story well, okay eighty percent of the people coming to the website just found you on Google and you know they're in the door hopefully you get them to stick around that's great if you get them to opt in for something if you get them to tune into the show but you know they're there to just answer their question it's a much more transactional audience than the podcast mm-hmm. listener who's much more entrepreneurial, they're in there for the long haul. And so starting to embrace that and present them with relevant affiliate offers like, hey, you know, go sign up to be an Instacart shopper or something, which is, you know, maybe that's on the podcast listeners radar, but mm-hmm. that's probably not high on their list of side hustle ideas. But it's you know more you know, more instant gratification on the blog side and trying to serve that audience, meet them where they're at, if that, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I think of it a little bit as um, I had this finance professor who said, everybody learns in different ways. So all of the content I'm going to talk about in three different ways. I'll do the math, I'll do the theory, and I'll do a case study or, or an example. And that way, someone, you'll pick up one of them, right? It's, it sounds very similar. It's the same audience, same people, same target market. It's just they choose to consume the content a different way. Yeah, I think I think that's true. And I've seen from you know, friends of mine in the space who they'll do written, they'll do an audio blog version of it that they throw up uh, on a podcast feed. They'll hire a voiceover person to try and produce the video of it. Um, and then they'll, you know, break it up into little snippets for Instagram reels and everything. It's, mm-hmm. it's a lot of work. And I would probably say, you know, focus on maybe your home base to start with. And then yeah. one, maybe one ancillary platform, you think like hub and spoke model, like, okay, where can I go find my target customers, maybe it's LinkedIn, maybe it's TikTok, maybe it's YouTube, but you know, being intentional and focusing on one at a time before you overwhelm yourself. Yes, absolutely. We're big fans of that here. Any other inflection points, Nick? Those were probably the main things. Uh-huh. Um, the the focus on you know getting Google traffic has been uh, a really important one in the last couple of years, um, probably three or four years now. And recognizing that that traffic has value, where before I didn't really pay much attention to to the traffic that was coming in, and it was like, 
cool. I got visitors, but like, what was I doing with them? Not a lot. You know, Uh didn't, didn't have a great system for trying to capture emails, for trying to present relevant affiliate offers. It was just, you know, again, creating content for the sake of content early on. It's like, gotta have a new post because it's Monday. Like, no, you know, don't post unless you have something relevant to share. Yeah. Okay. So tell me, how did you learn all of this? How did you learn, you know, what offers you could provide your Google visitors, for example? Did you hire marketers to help you out? Did you go deep into reading in on these topics? How did you figure this out? So some of the most eye-opening revelations have come just from hanging out with peers at conferences. And Mm. instead of being being really heads down, like I was for a lot of years, just focusing on my own stuff, start to look up and look around and say, well, how's everybody else making money in this space? Yeah. Oh, that's really interesting. These guys rank really well for these keywords. And, you know, the top five posts all mention, you know, these ha- same handful of things like, oh, I bet they're making money on that. You know, and then you, you meet the, mm-hmm. you meet the owners of these sites and it's, oh yeah, I'm an affiliate for so-and-so. And like, okay. You know, uh, if you, if you, <laughs> what's like the, uh, you know, the, even the blind squirrel finds a nut every now and again. Uh-huh, yeah. It took it took a long time to find that nut and just you know uh, pay attention to what's working for other people, and that's been um, you know responsible for some some good revenue jumps as well. Yeah, that's phenomenal. That's so much of what we try to do here is expose business owners to other business owners who have figured some of this stuff out. Like you, congratulations, Nick, have figured some of this stuff out, and and help them understand how they could follow the same path. This has been really great. If you, if there's one regret that you have, if there's something you wish you had learned faster or something you wish you had dug in on, you know, earlier, for example, what would that be? Oh, I feel like I could really accelerate the uh, learning curve. You know, if I had to go back and do it over again mm-hmm. um, on the uh, podcast side, you know, podcasts tend to grow, you know, word of mouth. Um, mm, I didn't know that. I assume that they grew a lot through search on the platform. I feel like search and discovery for podcasting is is kind of a weak point, kind of a challenging point. Mm-hmm. So search and discovery, um, or rather word of mouth, um, and getting on other podcasts. So it's something that yeah. I never proactively did, probably because I wasn't you know really confident in myself and what I had to put out there early on. But I see shows growing a lot faster by you know tapping into other audiences early on. Yeah, yeah. And then on the uh, on the written side, you know. I created a lot of like these philosophical posts, like, you know, five lessons I learned from cold calling or, uh-huh. you know, on momentum, you know, and it's like, it's 300 word posts. Like, well, you're not going to rank for momentum. And right. <laughs> um, it's just, it was stuff that nobody was really searching for. So it was like relationship building content for the existing subscribers, which there is a, there's a place for that, mm-hmm. but, you know, spent a lot of time creating that stuff that just, you know, uh, a friend put it to me this way. Like, if you're not going to, if this isn't going to get you new business in some way, then why are you doing it? And right. it was a lot of this, you know, dedication to the publishing calendar, but yes. you kind of throw that out the window. Yeah. Yeah. I think you have to constantly reevaluate that publishing calendar and decide whether or not you're still placing the right bets. Absolutely. Well, that's a wrap. If you enjoyed this episode of Marketing Made Easy by Jotful, please give us a five-star rating on your favorite podcast platform. That helps other people find out about the podcast so they too can grow their businesses. And hey, while you're there, if you're not yet a subscriber to this podcast, go ahead and click the subscribe button. 
That way, you'll never miss an episode. From all of us here at Jotful, I hope you enjoyed this podcast, and I'll meet you on the next one.